This is going to be fun. Hey, we're going to get in some stuff. And some of you are going to be offended. So I want to start off by being recorded that I love you. I love you. Uh, by the, the same message is going everywhere. Hello, fellas at RCMU. What's up, East and West? <laughs> we're we're going to have fun. Now, it's on this premise is this. Here, here. If you want to live life the way God intended, or the Bible calls it the full life. If you want to have the full life where you are having impact in people's lives, where your life has great significance, influence, where you're living the life that truly is making a difference. You got to go there if this is not going to be radically offensive. But if you want to consider the idea that your life has a ton of purpose to it, then you must be willing, and I'm sorry to have to tell you this, you must be willing to have difficult conversations. So, for those of you who are just pressing into this for the first week, you should be freaked out and going, what is he going to say? Um, well, let me, let me bring you up to speed of what we talked about the first week. Less is more is what we talked about. And I talked about your stuff. The stuff that we've got in our homes and what we've talked about in our storage units. <laughs> the stuff that we can't park into our garages, the, I talked about all the stuff, the, the amount of stuff that, that we need to maybe cut back, clear, all that kind of stuff. We talked about this. And you know when a pastor talks about your stuff, many of us sit like a little different posture, like what's he going to say? And you start to Google other churches in the area. <laughs> so I want you to know something. I really do love you. But we are a group of people, and you need to know this with great clarity. We are a group of people that does not just soak up the wonderful, easy stuff in life. But we want to make a difference. We want to be a church that not only likes grace and mercy, but with great urgency offers it to other people. And many of us know the difference between receiving it and giving it, and we know the cost of giving it. And so I want to talk about some of the tough stuff, okay? And I just want to reiterate that I love you. So, uh, less is more. <clears throat> Giving is good. Yep. <laughs> we're going to have fun, by the way. You're like, oh, no. It's, it's I came on that weekend. No, we're going to have fun. I, I'm telling you, we're going to have fun with this. But giving is good. I would tell you giving is good. I think most of us would agree if you'll give me time to talk to you about it. So, for those of you who are going, where's, where's my wallet? He wants my wallet, my purse. I'll never want your purse, by the way, ever, uh, ever, ever. I'm not going to, but, but I, be willing to have a mature conversation. Let's talk about this. Giving is good. This idea that giving is good. Let me show you our launch point from the Bible. This isn't Acts. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Most of us, I thought Hallmark said that. No, well, Hallmark may say that, but. But this is in the Bible. In fact, the original church that was just sprouting out after Jesus said, you know, I'm going to build the church and, and, I, and the hope of the world is going to go through the church. And, and they begin to figure things out. Like, what do we do? How do we live life? And they learned that it's far more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
Now, let me tell you some stories wrapped around this. I've told you some personal ones before. I've told you that when Katie and I, there was a moment in our life that we had no money and no food, and some dude comes knocking on our door, no joke. This was in Manhattan, Kansas, and we had, like, had nothing. Some dude knocks on the door. He's like, hey, I'm moving. I'm clearing out my freezer. Would you like it? I was like, uh-huh. And I... I chased him to wherever he lived, and, we, and, and I helped him move stuff, and, and, and we loaded up our fridge with this stuff. We've had, like, crazy moments like that. And, and I got to tell you, the feeling when someone gives you something that you, even to the point you're like, what's the catch? Right? I, mean, I don't know if you ever had this. Like, like what, there's always seems to be a catch, right? When someone gives you something, you're like, you're looking behind them. You're like, what's the disclaimer here? What's, what are the details? And I, I remember another instance, again, a, a time, a season in life when Kate and I just uh, paying for groceries was an enormous feat to, to maneuver enough money to buy food that wasn't just boxed and in noodle form, right? It was like I, we want to have good nourishment, and, and it was difficult. And I remember a guy called us up and said, hey, can I give you a, a portion of a beef that we just had butchered? <laughs> yes, you may. And he said, do you have a freezer? And I, I said, well, I mean, in our, in our fridge. He's like, I'll give you a freezer too. Well, that's, see, this is when I got skeptical. I was like, all right, we're going to see what's up with this. It's like, hey, give you this. And, and what happens? And it ended up, and I got to tell you, can I, I was skeptical for months, waiting for the hammer to drop, kind of like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And nothing did. I got to tell you, we have cool stories like that in our life. I, many of you might have the same, where, where it's just someone gave you something, God provided in a way, and you're like, whoa, this is amazing. But those emotions and feelings don't compare to what I'm about to tell you. Now, I'm about to tell you something, and I need to, I need to put a disclaimer here. I'm going to tell you something very personal, okay? And you will have the opportunity to misinterpret it or to interpret it with my heart, okay? So the moments that people have blessed us with different things, do not compare to the moments that my wife will call me after she's gotten into her vehicle, after, of course, being at Target. <laughs> and she says, you won't, you won't believe what happened. I'm like, where are you? I'm at Target. Okay. I think I might believe it. And she said, you know, the, the person in front of me ended up not having all the money they needed for the stuff that was there. And, and so you probably have experienced and to move some of those things to the side. So Katie just kind of cut in and said, hey, I'll cover those for you. Now, now again, I tell you all the time, like anytime we're generous, it's typically Katie that's led this. She's an amazing person. But when she tells me that, you need to know that on the phone, I'm not yelling at her back going, how could you? What in the world? I do ask how much. I do. I'm just being full disclosure. So what did that cost us? But, but the feeling of being able to offer to someone a gift like that is far better than receiving. 
You've seen this. If you've ever given a gift to someone that you actually didn't wait last minute for, you know, something that you planned and strategized, like you're like, this is going to be the most amazing, and you give it to them, and it's so much fun to give them. See, when you grow up and you begin to do this, you be, it's a maturity thing. You begin to see people open up presents or gifts or blessings that you put into their lives, and you get the power of a verse like this that talks about something so, so life-changing that it's far more blessed, far more awesome to give than it is to receive. So my question is, and don't answer this out loud, if most of us, which I think most of us do, would say, you're right, David, the Bible's right, God's right, it is so much better to give. Why do a lot of us not give? <laughs> there's, there's, there's excuses that I myself have offered that I would like to share with you. Maybe you'll identify with them. <laughs> uh, at one phase in my life, I just said, I am broke. I was like, and this is a good answer. Where were you say, I would love to do that for so-and-so. I would love to give to God. I would love to, but I'm broke. And uh, this is not a will I or won't I or do I love Jesus. This is I don't have the money to do it, David. I'm broke. And so many of us who are broke don't give. Don't give anywhere. We bypass every moment, every option because we're broke and we live in that lifestyle. We think that way. I'm broke. Maybe that's been your reason. You're like, you know, I want to give, David, but I'm broke. But, but there's been other <laughs> excuses I've offered. Not just I'm broke, but I'm skeptical. See, I'm a fourth generation pastor in a row. Yeah, that's a crazy, crazy family. And so you better believe that I got stories of churches manipulating and wasting money. So, oh, I got more stories than you do, more reason to be skeptical. Now, many if you see a commercial, sometimes you're like, yeah, that sounds neat, but I wonder if they manage it well. In fact, some of us nerd out on this, and we find out how much when we give to an organization or, or something, a missions, and we look at how much administrative fees are caught up in there and this and that, and we get a bit skeptical. So, or even if you see someone in need, you're like, are you going to use this money that I'm about to give to you? Are you going to use it wisely? And we get skeptical. I'm just fessing up to you, okay? I've been there. In fact, I still battle this. When I see something that I think is a great place to give money, but I wonder for a second, yeah, but will they use it well? And, but maybe, maybe none of this relates to you. Maybe the last one, probably my top one, I, maybe you don't give because you're afraid. I'm afraid. It's just a basic thing to say, but a very true thing to feel. Where you would say, I'm just afraid, David. I'm afraid that, that if I give to so-and-so, I'm not going to have enough. I'm afraid if I give to God through the church that I won't have what I need to have. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid that God won't provide or that I might lose my job. Or I'm, I'm just afraid. And many of us, that's how we posture our lives. We're just afraid. We're, we're afraid to be too generous. So we withhold a little bit, get a little bit stingy. And we don't get to enjoy a life that we believe should be life. We believe that we should give because it's better than receiving. Proverbs, out of the message version, says this so well. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Now, some of us are like, no, no, no. If you're generous, you have less and less. That's how that works, right? 
But see, we forget about the power of what God does in us, through us, and around us when we're generous. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Now, sometimes we've misheard this or been mistaught this where it's, hey, if you give a little bit, God just sends checks to you nonstop. It's pretty sweet. No, do not interpret blessed as only a financial word. I think this is deeper than that. Blesses others. Though the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Something happens in your soul. I would imagine that a good portion of us do not disagree with about anything I've ever said so far. Yes, giving's good. People should give, especially rich people, and especially governments, and especially churches, right? Give, and when we disconnect. But I would tell you that it's time that our world is different. If you don't like the news that you hear about and read and listen to, if you don't like what's going on even locally or globally, if, if poverty wrecks you, if disease wrecks you, if the fact that there are people who don't know who Jesus is in our own hometown, if that messes with you, then not only is something like less is more potent and something necessary for us to press in, but so is giving is good. So here's what I would say. Because giving is good, we should want to be good at giving. I'm just using the words to help you and I understand. If you are with me so far, if you have stayed on track and you are a mature person saying, I'm not so offended by this, I'm going to have this conversation, all right, then I would tell you if you believe giving is good, that this is not just a separate conversation for someone else that makes a lot of money. This is for all of us. If giving is good, you should want to be good at giving. It's a basic principle in life. That's what we teach our kids. Hey, you should share. Daddy's not going to, but you should. <laughs> Do you find it fascinating as adults we change and, and shift a little bit or, or we don't apply everything that we used to apply? If giving's good, you and I should be battling, saying, I must get better at giving. And most of us are like, sometime later on. No, this is now. If you're a teenager, listen to every word I'm sharing. If you are just beginning life, newly married, tons of bills going, oh, no, you should be interested in how to get good at giving. If you are in the midst of tons of kids and tons of crazy schedules, and you should want to be good at giving. If you are retired and sailing in life, then you should want to be good at giving. But I'm going to ask you a question that I do not want you to answer out loud. And in fact, I hope that you don't answer this out loud. I hope you Ask this honestly inside your head. I want you to ask just quietly, silently. Don't say it out loud. Am I good at giving? I just want you thinking about, wondering, are you good at it? Because if you believe others should be good at it, then you should believe you should be good at it. So it's, it brings us into, if you're willing to have a mature conversation, if we want the world to be better and good, if we want to live life, the full life the Bible talks about, you and I got to figure this out. How in the world? Do we do this? Let me take you back. Acts 20, verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Here's what I want to offer you if you're willing to listen. The Bible teaches us how to give. 
In fact, I want to share with you the ABCs. Yes, we're going to go way back, okay? And I want to give you the ABCs. If you're like, David, I'm not good at giving. Or David, I don't want to talk about giving. David, I hate giving. Or I can't. If you have any of those excuses, maybe not even the ones I listed. But if giving is something in your life that you're not good at, I want to offer you the ABCs from the Bible that helps you and I get good at it. I don't even know if get good is a good vernacular. But it works right now. So, so, so here's the first one. To be good at giving, admit God gave it to you. Now, See, I underlined the A. I'm very proud of this. <laughs> if you ever hear a pastor like, here's the ABCs, or they use a word in alliteration, we're just very proud of these things. So I just, but admit God gave it to you. See, many of us bypass this and we're like, yeah, yeah someday I will, or I want to be good at, at giving. But, but I'm going to tell you, first step, baby steps. If you're like, let's have this conversation, David. Less is more, yes, giving is good. How do I get good at it? Admit that God gave it to you. And I find it very fascinating. <laughs> This is the hardest step. Because some of us are like, no, <clears throat> God did not give it to me. My job did. Or my grandma did. Or my parents did. Or what, and we begin, or oh, I sold this. I'm going to tell you this, a practical piece of life. The Bible's clear on this. God is the provider of everything. Everything that you see, God owns. He's the provider. And many of us as adults forget this, that God gave us what we've got. Your heart beating, God's responsible for that. The fact that right now your lungs are working and you're breathing, God's allowing that. He's gifted that to you. But even goes outside of your body to the part that the job that you have, God's allowed that, provided that, I believe. Your house, your car, God's allowed that. God is the provider of everything. Now, some of us are back and forth. No, 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 no. We're like, no, no. God's not provider. I am my provider. And this is the tough part. You have to decide who your provider is. Now, here's the deal, and this is what frustrates us. If you say you are your provider, sometimes God says, okay, I'll let you be. And then you're all on your own. <laughs> See, we miss and forget where we get stuff, where it comes from. To help, help illustrate this, it's not just adults and it's not just teenagers, it's kids. Kids don't know where stuff comes from. And so uh, at our dinner table, because we try to have dinner together as often as possible, my kids have been asking weird questions that are very uncomfortable in the moment for me personally. Because when we're about to eat, often my daughter will point to the, to the meat on the plate and be like, hey, is this, is this cow? Now, for me, I'm all of a sudden visualizing this cute little cow that we're now eating. <laughs> or she'll be like, is, is this pig? I'm like, no, that's, that's bacon, not pig. Don't talk about where it came from. And, and they've actually done studies with kids that they kind of struggle figuring out where things came from. So here's a study, which I think is pertinent to what we're talking about. Here's, they asked 27,000 children questions about food. Almost a third of them Almost a third of them think cheese comes from plants. <laughs> I wish that were the case. I would grow those plants. Uh, a third of the five to eight-year-olds think pasta is made out of meat. Now, this gave me a great idea that someone needs to figure out. Let's do that. <laughs> Bacon noodles? Come on. Come on. Here's my favorite. A quarter of the students, 25%, one out of four, 
think that fish sticks, keyword would be fish. Fish sticks come from chicken or pigs. Some of you are like, well, I don't understand. Fish, I can't, I don't have time for it. Kids oftentimes don't know where things come from. You and I often don't live as though what we've got came from God. And I don't know how you are as a giver. I know statistically, half of a church gives nothing. So I know that statistically, not everyone's very good at giving. And so if you want to get good at giving, if you want to live the life God designed, you got to figure out how to get good at giving. And the first step is admit what you got. You don't even own it. God gave it to you. And if you aren't a good giver, you are in danger of communicating not just the people around you, but to God himself that you don't think he gave it to you. Job figured this out because he lost everything. <laughs> naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. If you're from the south, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. <laughs> the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. But see, this stirs us. I'll look at everyone right now. I'm going to tell you, I know that one of the major pressure points in life is wondering if you're going to have enough when it breaks. When you lose your job. When there's expenses that you did not plan for or did not need at that moment, all of a sudden you and I begin to worry. But Jesus knew this, so he engaged the topic. Matthew chapter 6, look at this. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. See, here's the problem. Many of you were tracking with me as I read, these things dominate the thoughts, weren't you? But then it begins to say, they only dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Yeah, Jesus just stepped on your toes. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So what do you do? It tells us, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. But many of us stew and worry. Oh, come on, I'm with you. I've forgotten how many times my truck has broken down. I just forget, and I choose not to think about it too much. But I don't know what your pressure point is. It could be a broken down vehicle. It could be a broken fridge. It could be a mortgage payment, rent payment. I don't know. It could be groceries or how to pay for your kids' sports. It could be a medical bill, a school bill. I don't know what it is. But I do know that you and I have a tendency to think that we are our own providers. We think it's our job to come up with everything. And God's like, hmm, no. I will provide all of your needs. Step one. Admit that he gave it to you. If you don't, here's your life. If we believe we provide everything, then we're going to worry about losing everything. And you're going to spend the rest of your life finding out, trying to find out if there's an insurance policy for it. <laughs> now, I'm not saying insurance is bad. I've got insurance. But we live in a fear-based world now where we're afraid to lose certain things. All the while, like God's like, well, that's actually mine. I gave that to you. You want to be good at giving? 
Admit that it was God's. Admit that he gave it to you. Here's the next step. To be good at giving, bring God a gift. Now, there's a, there's a step to this. Get this, right? Remember, I said A, B, C's. you got to have this in, in order. And So the first part, if you do, if you're mature enough to admit, yep, God gave it to me. God gave it to me. He was my provider. Then the natural relationship reaction is to say, I am grateful for that God. <laughs> is actually to bring him a gift. The beauty of it is he doesn't ask for everything. Oh, that'd be tough. <laughs> but... But think about this. Think about your relationships. If all you did was like, hey, thank you. Hey, thank you. Eventually your spouse is like, show it. Do something. See, many of us don't have relationships where we do nothing. If we do, they break down and they're shallow. How about God? If you admit that God gave it to you, show some gratitude. It's a powerful lesson if you're mature enough to handle it. So, so you're like, what does he want? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've ever pressed into the Bible. The Bible does teach us and talk to us about what to give God. What God actually says, here is a gift that I want you to give. I've given you everything. So here's what I want you to return to me. Leviticus says, a tithe of everything from the land. Whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord, is holy for the Lord. A tithe. This may seem like a weird word. Some, some people think it's, it's law. It's, it's not law. This was way back to the very beginning of time. Tithe is a mathematical term that is one-tenth, 10%. So 10% of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, is holy to the Lord. So he's saying, I, I want 10%. He goes further. If you read Proverbs... Proverbs 3, 9 tells us, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. This first fruits is, he's talking about the first. If you read throughout the Bible, oftentimes what you do first reveals your heart. And so we're supposed to take the first 10% and say, here you go, God. But see, this is where the divide occurs. Some of you are already doing it. You're already arguing with me in your head or nudging the person next to you. And I'm going to repeat myself. I love you. And my job, my calling in life is not to try to keep you at this church. My calling is to care about you. And if I didn't care about you, I'd let this stay my little secret. But because God talks about it over and over, a third of everything Jesus taught on was finances, I must share it with you. And many are like, I can't do this, David. I get the idea, giving is good. <laughs> and you're hoping one day to do it. Well, maybe you aren't giving because you're not doing it right. Maybe... Maybe what you learned or what you think and about how to give, maybe you're not doing it the way God said to do it. So, so I, the best way to example this is obvious. It's cupcakes. Now, if you missed the first week of this series, you're like, I don't get it. A lot of life's lessons can be taught via cupcakes, Okay. 
But, but, but let me help you understand why giving may not be an, something in your life, uh, behavior. It, it may not be something that you think is attainable or you may think it's, you might be skeptical, afraid, or, or just broken. You're like, I can't do that, I can't do that. It's because you may not be doing it right. Here's how a good portion of people think it works. Like, all right, so these are the cupcakes God gave me. Don't you wish he paid you in cupcakes? But let's pretend this is your income. So you get paid. And you're like, all right. I have full intentions. The, the preacher talked about it. This family is going to be a giving family. So you have full intentions of doing it, but, but you gotta, you got to pay the mortgage or, or the rent, which is at least one, I would say probably two, sometimes three cupcakes. I don't know how it works for you. So then you're like, well, I got, I got a house. There's utilities. And in theory, I hope you're paying your utilities, but in theory, you're paying your utilities. But then, but then you're like, you got to go to work and you have a vehicle and that's car loan and car loan two. And then, then you have the basic necessities of life. Netflix. <laughs> I mean, come on. And then you're like, well, I got I to put, put fuel in my car. That costs money. They don't let you drive off or at all. And, you, uh, and then you start to stare at stuff, and you've got lots of bills coming. But you're like, we're going to be a giving family. We're going to be a giving family. God's going to show up at the very end. Something's going to happen. And then there's other bills that just keep coming in. Insurance. Make a list of whatever you want. Things for kids. I mean, just, we have enough. We all could talk all day long about the bills that we have. And you're like, oh, then you've got a little extra, and you're like, this is it. That's what we're going to give to God. And then the kids rudely get sick, and you have to take them to the doctor. And there's the copay. <laughs> and then the vehicle breaks down inconveniently. And, and then you realize that you've got to pay for all of this, and what you intended to give is uh, no longer an option. I mean, I don't know if you resonate with this, but that's how I lived my life. And so then I was like, all right, God, you need to do like a crazy miracle. Because <laughs> the pastor says, the Bible says, God, I know you say that I'm supposed to be good at giving. And so I'm going to give if you, if you do something. The problem with the illustration I just showed you is that most people do not choose to trust God until they're desperate. And the principle behind tithing, tithing teaches trust. I don't know if you knew that. I hope you're clear that God does not technically need your money. It's not a, a financial scheme in which he's trying to pay bills. I don't know if you've ever found it fascinating that the Bible says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus himself, Matthew 23, 23 says, you should tithe. Jesus said it. It's not a law thing. It's a you should do this. This is necessary. Why? Because tithing teaches trust. And if you're like me, you and I need to trust God. And it's difficult. Come on. Do you not have days where you're like, I want to trust you. I want to believe that you're going to come through but you don't feel it. It's not in there. It's more of an optimism. I, I'm hoping you come through, but you don't truly trust them. Tithing teaches trust. 
And so God said, you know what? You're going to struggle with this. This is going to be divisive. So he said in Malachi, Malachi is the book right before the New Testament. It says, bring the whole tithe, the 10%. Bring it into the storehouse. You're like, storehouse? Where? Is that a storage unit somewhere that we bring and pile stuff? No, this is the church. This is the church. And if you're like, I don't know if it's a church. That there may be food where? In my house. If you want to know the Bible's terminology for the church, my house, the local church. So he says, you want to know how to give to God? You know how to bring God a gift? Bring him the tithe, the first 10% of every bit of income you have. Now some of you are like, oh, no. So he kept writing. And this is powerful. Test me in this. If you were to read the Bible from beginning to end, you would read several places where it says, do not test God. You and I are only allowed to test God in one thing, one thing only. Do not dare test him in anything else. But he gives us permission in one thing, one thing to test him in, tithing. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, some preachers mispreach this. And they tell you, give God a hundred, he'll give you a thousand. Do not interpret blessing as only a financial moment. It's better to give than receive, and your soul is blessed. I will go back to the Proverbs verse. I read to you only a portion. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then what happens? Your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim over. Who doesn't want a vat? That just sounds fun. Your vats will brim over with new wine. You will be blessed. The Bible spells it out. So, so if you like, so what do we do with this? How do I do that? This, this is crazy. Well, let me show you a different way to give. So let's go back to your income. Some of you, you spend your life investing in people and you make an income off that. That's awesome. Some of you work behind a desk and you change the world from behind a desk, which is awesome. Some of you don't enjoy being behind the desk. Some of you serve our wonderful country and that provides an income. Some of you teach our kids and that gives you a wonderful income. Some of you sell stuff, gives you wonderful income. Some of you make cupcakes and give it to the church when the pastor wants to do an illustration, which is awesome. And we have this income, and I just want to show you this income. Here's how you do this. If you want to be good at giving and you're like, I don't know how to do it, I can't do it, I'm broke, I'm skeptical, I'm afraid, I don't know how to do this. The Bible teaches you this. When you get a check, you take the first 10% and it doesn't go to the mortgage company doesn't go to any bank. doesn't pay off something. You give it to God. And for most of us, we are thrust into a moment of trust that we do not like to be in. If you don't know how God taught this, he said, give me the first 10%. And now look at what he has to work with. Do you remember the empty plate? That's what most of us are offering God. Here's the empty plate. Do something. 
in my life, he's done far more miracles with this. And I would tell you, God is far better at 90% of what you got than you are at 100% of it. So here's how this looks. It's a statement. I will trust God with my first and my best and trust him to bless the rest. That's what tithing is. If you want to be good at giving, if you think giving is good, then you've got to admit that God gave it to you. But then you bring him a gift because this is a trust moment. This is a moment where you're actually formulating a moment where you're like, I need to trust God. And so I'm going to bring him something. I don't like to bring him. Here's some money. Trust. Let's go to the last one. To be good at giving, commit to a plan. See what I did there? I'm very proud of it. A, B, C. Commit to a plan. Proverbs talks to us a little bit about planning. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Planning. Intentionality. So let me get into your business. What's your plan for Thanksgiving and Christmas time, when someone comes and you see somebody, maybe it's a Salvation Army person or it's the church or it's someone else and they see great, you see great need, you're like, I want to be able to give. What's your plan right now to be able to give to them then? Because you need a plan. And if you start to put $5 away here, $10 away there, drink less lattes, go out less, and if you were to begin to accumulate money that when you want to give, you will be able to give. But even step back further, because we live in a great world full of technology, you can even plan your tithing. Katie and I do that. Every time we get paid, it automatically, a portion of it, goes straight to our church. We attend Fountain Springs Church. I don't, I don't know if you knew that. So we give to our church. The storehouse. God's house. What's your plan? Let's land on... Philemon. <laughs> and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. I really wanted you to see this. The only way to put your generosity into action is faith. Right now, Right now, some of us are trying to follow God without having to trust him. Do you catch this? We're trying to not have to trust him, but like I tell you, this is divisive, is it not? I mean, most of us have friends that think the church is all about money because it's been manipulated and messed up. Some of us think that we're broken, this is not an option, but I'm gonna tell you, it is actually impossible. It is impossible to not be able to afford tithing. Everyone can afford to tithe because it's your first. So if you get paid $1 a week, you give the first 10% to your church, to God. What you may think you can't afford is your mortgage, your car payment, your utilities. So God knew this and he said, I want you to trust me because I provide everything for you. Give me your first so I can bless the rest. I love you with all of my heart, but I will tell you the most profound lesson I have learned to date is to trust God.
I invite you into that. So, so here's what I want to do. There's a card that's available to you. It's in front of you or around you. You might be sitting on it. But, but we always make these cards available when I talk about this stuff. And so this card, I'm going to invite you to fill out. You, you fill out this 90-day giving challenge. You decide that for the next three months, the next 90 days, that you're going to give. You're going to bring God your first fruits, and you are going to freak out about it. Because that's what we all do, especially when we first begin. These ABCs on this, this is going to be tough. But you're going you're to fill this out if you want to, and, and then you're going to drop it off before you leave. Now, now, here's how this works, is I am so confident that God will take care of your needs. Here's what we do as a church. I want to walk with you. So if you take this 90-day giving challenge... And at the end of the 90 days, you budgeted, you really ran a good budget. And you, you gave to God like you were supposed to, but he didn't provide for you. I will personally write you a check for everything you gave to the church during that 90 days. Now, for those of you concerned, I, I did talk to Katie about this already. <laughs> but I stand on what the Bible says and I want to be good at giving. And so I start off, God gave it to me. I'm going to give him a gift. And I'm going to plan this out. If you want to be good at giving, if you believe giving is good, you'll do the same. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for letting us get together. And I pray for those who reject this message from the very beginning. God, please give them grace and mercy. Please continue to teach and invest in them. But for those, God, who are open to this, I pray that you will provide for them, that you will give them wisdom and discernment. God, I pray that you'll do miracles in their lives. Help us trust you, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. It was about four years ago, we had a friend that had approached us who had visited uh, Fountain Springs a couple of times, and she said, I think you'll really like it. They have, they have what looks like an amazing kids ministry, it'll let you sit through service, and so we, we tried it out. What kept us coming back was when Gabe, our eight-year-old now, kept telling us that he loved it, and he was able to explain Easter to a friend. I think he was about five. And to have a five-year-old be able to explain the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection to a friend is amazing. And so it was shortly after that that we decided that the kids' ministry was so amazing that we needed to start giving of our time. We started tithing after Todd got a job. He'd been without work for several years. Um, had gone to school and gotten a business degree and was still unable to find a job. And we were serving through this whole time and somehow in my mind I justified serving with money. And I had justified that, well, I'm serving every week and I'm serving at least one service, if not doing more things for the church every week. And that equates to this much money every hour because that's what I make every hour or that's what he should be making every hour. And I justified that for a long time, for a couple of years. With the beginning of 2016, I'm like, you know what? Pastor David always tells us 
to challenge God on this, to test him on this. I'm like, what a, what a perfect time to start with a new year to make it not necessarily a new year's resolution, but a new way of living for our, for our family. And just to test God and see, and he's always promised that if in 90 days, three months, whatever it is, that we don't start seeing changes in our life, that he'll give us all our money back. And I don't know that that was totally what did it, but in my heart, I just felt God telling me that I, I needed to start doing this. We weren't gonna see improvements until we trusted God with everything. And I really didn't wanna let it go to God. I was like, but I've got this, God. We have a budget, we're doing great. And I, when I finally started, I was nervous. I was like, yes, Todd has a job. Yes, I have a job. I need to do this and I need to test God in this because I've been withholding that from him. And so we did. In January of 2016, we, as a family, decided that we were gonna start tithing 10% of everything. And I don't think we've missed a week since, and we've been able to bless, and we've been blessed so many times over that it's, it's been a truly amazing ride for the last year. Being a high school teacher, teenagers are like my passion. And so Todd and I talked about it, and I'm like, I don't know how this is gonna work, but I feel like we need to give money or something so that a student can go to camp because money is tight for everybody. And we did, and it was amazing um, to hear the stories that come from camp and know that we had a part in that, in, the, in all of those 200 plus kids that went to camp and then had a part with that. And it wasn't really until like the middle of summer that we were able to sit down and say, these things that we've done and and we haven't missed the money in fact we've been able to do more with the money we were able to stretch this money because we had given it all over to God and said God do with it what you will it, it's yours you're blessing us we're still able to make it what else can we do what more can we do just going from my own experiences and I had always chalked it up to well those people are just the exception those people are 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 crazy, they're, they're, they're something. There's something different with them than there is with me. And I finally tested it. And so I would just encourage people to test it. Test it and see. Because it wasn't until I tested it that I really understood how God can take what we think is little and make it enormous.